Welcome everyone, JT here. Welcome to The Huddle. For those joining me for the first time, The Huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport, from the world of coaching. And the whole intention is to learn more about their journey to greatness. And the reason is that success always leaves clues. I am really enthused today, folks. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I'm so glad he was able to carve some time out from his busy schedule. And uh, yeah, just like to welcome into the huddle, the head coach of the Waterloo Warrior football program and my good friend, Chris Pretoria. How are you today, Chris? Good, good, good. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, JT, and, and happy to be on and, and doing well. Yeah, well, great to hear. Uh, just to let you know, brother, I've been getting some messages this week from people that, you know, coaching colleagues, people who have coached with you, people that have coached against you. Some of your former players really had nothing but great things to say. A lot of people looking forward to just, you know, hearing you know just there's an energy about you Bert there's there's always been so so yeah a lot of people looking forward to this conversation brother well I've, I've been looking forward to it too as well and haven't seen you in, in a while and obviously yeah. you made a move and and uh looking forward to this and love uh love what you're doing with with uh you know your podcast or and then writing your book and, and yeah. just chasing your own your own dreams and goals too it's it's uh coincides with each other so so happy to chat and excited to be on board today yeah, no, definitely. So before we came on, I, I love how you're sharing just, you know, the importance of, especially during times like this, it's interesting times is, you know, really it's, it's about human connection. So what I'd love to do is I'd love to know what is something that maybe people don't know about you, maybe like a fun fact, maybe just like a quirk, something that, yeah, maybe a lot of people don't know that you feel comfortable sharing. <laughs> oh, man, I... I'm, I, you know, I pretty much wear my heart on my sleeves. So I'm not sure if there's any secrets really. Okay. Uh, um, you know, my players know I like to dance when we win football games. I okay. mean, uh, yeah. My friends know I like to take my shirt off when I'm having a good time at a wedding or a party. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the people out there that don't necessarily know me, I mean, those are a few tidbits, but yeah. uh, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I like to wear my heart on my sleeve. There, yeah. There's, you know, maybe people don't know that uh, ah, Tidbit is uh, my dad worked for Bell Canada. Um, okay. And so in 1980, me and my family moved to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. I lived in Saudi mm -hmm. Arabia up until just before 1985. So four and a half years in, in the Middle East. Uh, um, I also uh, taught English uh, after university briefly for a year and a bit over in Taiwan and South Korea. Oh, um, those are okay. some things outside of the football realm that... Uh, yeah that people might not know about me, but, uh, yeah, most, well, for the most part, uh, as I said, uh, I'm a pretty open book. Yeah. Well, again, anyone that knows you, anyone that spent time with you knows that that's one of your best qualities. You wear your heart on your sleeve. What you see is what you get. And I firmly believe that's, that's why you've sort of created this, uh, you know, this amount of success in your life, both personally and professionally. Uh, so what I would love to know, Bert is, what was like what role has sport played in your life like what 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 has been 
the catalyst to for you to really dedicate your life to you know being a coach and and to a degree being an, a mentor to so many young men um I, sport uh, sport is sports and sport in general is so important to me but i think it's so so important to society Obviously, there's stages in sport. Um, as a kid, you know, you, you kind of get into different variations of sport, whether it be hockey, soccer, basketball, baseball, football, so on, lacrosse, you name it. I mean, there's tons of tennis. So, but everybody's trying things out to find their niche as, as a, you know, as a youngster. And then as you grow older, you get into those high school days, you kind of start to sort things out and obviously you gravitate to things that you're you perform better at everybody, you know, you want to put yourself in a position to be successful. So you're going to do something that, that um, you feel like you're good at. Um, but just, I think um, I've always been a, you know, and I can't necessarily speak to it. I mean, obviously I, I moonlighted uh, in high school and pretending, you know, I ran track just to try and get faster for football and I was never very fast. Um, I did shot put in some of those throw events. So you kind of, that's the only time I've really in my entire life competed on a, in an individual perspective. I, so I, I, I think for me personally, it's, it's better that I speak more on the team concept. I think the team concept with sport um, is, is what's been so impactful for me. Um, fortunately enough, I was part of, uh, I've been able to be a part of many great teams, had great mentors and coaches and leaders um, in high school. I went to Catholic Central High School and, and Mike Cercelli and Paul Gleason were great mentors and coaches and, um, you know, uh, basketball, co every, you know, every coach has impacted me in a different way. Obviously the football coaches had a more of an impact. That was my niche as I grew older. Um, but, uh, it's just the positivity around a team. Um, you know, fortunately enough for me, the inclusivity of a team and, 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 and being on teams growing up that, that had guys, uh, you know, from all parts of, of the city, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, all different races, uh, ethnicity. Um, I, I think that all of that stuff and, and you come together and, and when you have a good coach or a good leader, um, you know, you put all those things aside when you're collectively in that locker room. And then when you step across the line to compete, you're all pulling the rope in the same direction. And, and, and all of a sudden you see that it doesn't matter. We can all work together if we have a goal and, and, and that's something that we want to achieve. And I think it's, being a part of a team is reflective of, of the business world. It's reflective mm -hmm. of um, any type of working. It's it's certainly needs to be reflective of society. And, and I think sports sometimes can show society that we are very capable of, of putting biases and prejudices aside and, and working towards a goal of, of inclusivity and equality. And, and so I don't you know, I'm not going to make it all about that, but I, I, I think that that sports has that power. And I think I think we see that. You know, I think we see that in sport, especially during this pandemic. So um, that's kind of what led me to, you know, as as I was finishing off my career as a player at the University of Waterloo, that's kind of what um, I got right into coaching. But, you know, there's no money in coaching, so doing lots of other things. But I just uh, I think that the biggest influence on me was, you know, my two high school coaches, Mike Cercelli and, and Paul Gleason. And then moving forward, I was able to transition to great coaches and leadership with Tuffy Knight at Waterloo and Chris Tranaflu, God rest his soul. And, and um, just, I was so fortunate to have great mentors and leaders um, that I was a part of a program with. They showed me the way. Um, and I certainly carry some of their traits with me now, 
but also they showed the the fact that you can be your own individual too and 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 carve your own path so that's kind of why sport is so important to me because i think that if you are part of a team um and and you have to you know we always talk about taking care of our one twelfth. do your job do your job and have trust and faith that the guys beside you are going to do their jobs don't worry about everybody else and all the noise around you take care of your job and then if everybody does that you know 12 guys on the field in football then it's 12 12s it's a whole unit and nothing can stop us and so that's why i i I just love sport for that team sport in specific and any uh that's kind of why i wanted to do it And, and quite frankly being with young guys you get to live vicariously through them they keep you young at heart um, yeah. Even though, you know, my body's getting banged up a bit uh, as I get older and older, yeah. but they keep you young in spirit too. And that's, that's part and parcel why I, I wanted to, uh, to get into it. Um, it. It's, it's interesting what I'm hearing from you and, and a theme that really came up several times as you talked about that was the power of when you put people working towards a common purpose, a common goal, just, just that energy right? Just that ability of what is possible when you get everyone buying into that collective vision. Like, that's what I really heard from you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that vision, um, you know, there needs to be autonomy, I think. And, and so, you know, our coaching, how I coach is, is, you know, we have one, we have one team rule, one team standard, and that's the word respect. We apply that to everything we do from the top down, me being the leader, but we respect individuality too. And so we allow our players to have a voice because they're in, you know, we live by the adage that as, as a leader and as our other coaches lead, um, we tell our players and we have to live by it. We have to act it um, is that we're never going to ask them to do something we're not prepared to do ourselves. Okay. And then, so instead of standing on a mountain and being a dictator, I'm standing in front of them and we're all pulling that rope in the same direction. We're going to work alongside you. And obviously there's places and times to have conversations. And, and because I think, you know, grandstanding a coach on the field, um, 10 years from now, you can't grandstand your boss in the office, but you can go into the boss's office and, and have a grown man conversation. And so we also you know, that's part of our environment at Waterloo football is that if there's, you know, differences of opinion or anything like that, we're happy to have, a, you know, grown conversations. And, and because we respect everybody's individuality, because, and, and because we allow people, I think everybody to have a voice, there's skin in the game. And because there's skin in the game and, and, and we empower everybody that's a part of it, then it's easier for us to, to go in the same direction. Sometimes, yeah, life's full of peaks and valleys and bumps in the road, but, but shoot, if we can get everybody aligned, it's not always going to be perfect, but if we can get everybody aligned and working towards the same goal, the strength in number and the power in numbers and the, the power of the collective is, is huge, and, and it always has to be in a positive way. What I really love about that, Bert, is you know, you're, you're really sharing what it takes to be an effective leader. And that the effective leader, again, yes, you create the vision, but you have to get buy-in, right? From, from, from your followers, your players, right? Your coaches, you have to. And I, I love that you mentioned how it's really about empowering people to feel like they have a voice, that they have skin in the game, like you talked about it. 
And, and when you do that, that's, that's where the power lies. Yeah, it really does. And, and certainly, you know, football is, uh, is a hierarchy sport. You know, there's a coach, there's, it, it, it's, it's got a paramilitary tone to it, you know, because really you're, you're coordinating. Um, no other sport has so many different variables and positions and, and, uh, coaches and you know we have 14 coaches on our staff you know and eight different position groups and um, you have to coordinate all that and I, and I think um, by giving you know say our wide receiver coach autonomy and pow- empowering him this is what we need to do how you get to this is our goal how you get to the goal I believe strength surrounds itself with strength so I believe in myself. I believe I'm a strong leader, but I also believe in, in my assistant coaches that that they're going to get the job done because we've collectively come to an agreement that this is the goal that we want to achieve. Boom. This is the group that, that you're in charge of. I'm not going to micromanage that group. I'm going to empower you. And in turn, I want you to empower your players. And then, you know, you go in a fifth year player down to a freshman player and different players. Some players are vocal leaders. Some players lead by example. I think leading by example has to be a trait of any leader, period. But some some people are quiet, um, have quiet mannerisms. They don't necessarily are rah-rah guys, but their work ethic is out the, out the ceiling. And you have to find out how every individual works and and we talk about that let's figure out you know and i challenge the guys hey figure out what drives you to compete what drives you to be the best because i respect your individuality i know what drives me and i certainly think there's some traits that i could pass down to you but at the same time you're you i don't know what's going on in your head you got to figure out what intrinsically motivates you and then go for it set your goals set them high, but also set them attainable too. Like you don't want to, you, you, you want to, I always talk to, you, you want to set goals where there's a little bit of low hanging fruit, but there's also the top of the tree, right? Cause you need to reward yourself. You can't just keep beating your head against the wall and, and never achieving something. So that's why kind of, you take it day by day and you know, that's kind of, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to keep going off here. I'll let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, and, and for anyone that, has has coached with you Bert anyone that's played for you knows how that you do practice what you preach and I just think back to my own experience being an assistant coach under you at with the London Junior Mustangs you know I thought back yeah you never you always gave us coaches the autonomy to kind of like you had faith that we could do the job that we would prep the players and I always remember yeah just do your job I remember actually you and Roby always said just do your job right? Coach your player, right? Tell them to do their job. And it was amazing how that simple being around you guys and being around that leadership style did transform the way I coached was because I saw what, what a great effective leader does like yourself. Yeah. Those were good times. That's for sure. (laughs) That's a a conversation for some other time. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, you know, you're right. And, 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 and it's all, you're always learning. Um, I, I watched, I saw you had Benny Kay on here and, and, yeah. you know, he mentioned, and, and I know, and I, you had said something on the Facebook, but you know, you either get better, or you get worse, but nothing stays the same. And, and yeah. there's always personal growth on my end. I always yeah. want to get better. I want our players to get better. And, and I am certainly not perfect at anything and not even close. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's kind of, if, if, 
if you have you don't want people to just be uh yes men and sheep you, mm-hmm. you know um obviously there's hierarchy there's rules there's all that kind of stuff but but and then this is just in general society yeah. but you know you gotta you gotta vet the people that you surround yourself with and mm-hmm. and and make sure that that they're like-minded and it doesn't mean a hundred percent like-minded, but certainly, you know, 50%, 60% like-minded. Um, and that's a good thing. And then 40% is their own individual. And, and, and that's the big piece for me is, is when you, I've, I've just seen coaches flourish and, and, um, excel and it's not to, it's just kind of, you learn from the various experiences in your own life, from the coaches you, you played under, from the coaches you coached alongside, I learned I learned stuff from you too. I I, I try to learn my my two full time assistant coaches, Darrell Adams and Brendan Conway. I learn from those guys all the time because we have this this relationship. Certainly, yeah, I'm the leader and that's my title, and and I take it very seriously. But but in order you know we in order for us to be successful and and w- where we came from as a football program, where we are right now, going into this fall season, you know, surrounding myself with with good, strong men who have great values and principles, work their ass off with a smile on their face and and uh, are mentors and, and care about the players. That's a huge piece for me. You got to care. You got to care. Uh, they they need to know that you care so that they care. And and it's a reciprocal thing. Yeah. Such, such a simple idea and one that, yeah, just is so powerful. So what I would love to know, Bert, is you've had a very successful career, right? Um, at the high school level, at, at the junior football level, and then, you know, going on to the CIS at multiple schools, right? You started off at St. FX, you know, then you were at Western and, and then where you are at Waterloo. What was, and one thing I would, if you're, I'd love to know, and, and you've shared it, is what was the inspiration behind it? Because like you said there, I mean, you started off, you know, coaching, but you've created this amazing career. Like what was the catalyst for you to decide that, Hey, I'm going to dedicate my life to coaching. Yeah. Well, um, you know, when I was done playing football at Waterloo in, in 99, 2000, and then just got right into coaching right away, um, started coaching at CCH, my high school alma mater with Coach Tricelli, gave me an opportunity there, and I coached the O-line, and, and just got my feet wet doing that, and just really fell in love with it, and there was great kids around there, you know, one of the guys being J.P. Tricelli, who's now, yeah. you know, uh, the University of Windsor head coach, and, and you know, you, and, and just kind of got going with that. And then the next step was to the London Bee Feeders of the CJFL. And, and while I'm doing that, um, you know, I was, I was a, uh, I worked at uh, Janae Detention Center for young offenders, phase one young offenders. That was my full-time job at that point in time. And then, um, and then I moved on to a company called Unifirst, which is like, it's like a linen supplies uniforms for, and, and you know, mats for offices, all that kind of stuff, similar Syntax Canadian linen, but it's called Unifirst. And really, quite frankly, I was, I was making a lot of, I, at, at that stage of my life, I was making a good chunk of change, really, um, you know, certainly, certainly above, above what the average income for a household or for, for a person is right now. Like I was, it was sales and, you know, obviously I'm, half decent at selling stuff so um but yeah I, but but you know what I, I wasn't it was a job 
it was a job and and during that stretch at at Unifirst, um my dad um his health deteriorated and and uh um you know he had he had uh als and uh so for two years he battled away and i watched my dad wither away and 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 me and him had a very very tight relationship and he saw what i was doing um you know and and it really like obviously i was coaching and i was into it and and i'd thrown out the idea about coaching but knowing that wholeheartedly like you know a there's not a ton of money in it when you get started so you got to make a lot of sacrifices and and, and you really got to work really hard because you essentially if you want to get into it you gotta you gotta work you know 10 to 12 hours a day at the coaching piece but you also actually physically got to work eight hours somewhere else just to pay the rent and put food on your table you know and, and so um it's like do you do it do you do it the risk versus reward so on and so forth and and um really what what really set me uh on this path was three weeks before my dad passed on on august 20th 2004 um we had our last conversation um he didn't really talk after that point in time um and he spoke to me about you know he knew i could tell he knew the end was near and he spoke to me about regrets and not having any and if he could change stuff in his life and uh yeah and i don't want to get emotional here but uh he basically said you know uh son you gotta you gotta make a decision um if i could give you any advice as i'm heading up you know i'm leaving this place is 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 you gotta make a decision he goes and you're still young but he's like you you you, you know you can't uh you can't worry about whether you're young or not. And, and I don't want to delve into my dad too much, but he was very high up at Bell Canada and, and he ended up retiring at Bell Canada at, at 55 years old. Um, and he opened up, up his own business. He retired early because he didn't want to be, um, you know, he was a supervisor and everything. He was in a, in, in a leadership role, but he just wanted to do his own thing. And he went and chased and, and quite frankly, uh, the business that he opened up and started uh, went bankrupt in three years and we went bankrupt as a family, but he took a chance. Right. And so I, I remember that. And then he just talked about making a decision between, you know, job versus vocation. And he said, I see it. Everyone sees it. You love coaching football. You love coaching. Um, you love being a leader. You love, you love every aspect of it. And he's like, why not? And he's like, and you know what? Yeah, you're making good money right now, but that doesn't matter. You're, you go, it, you decide if you decide that you want to chase your your goal, which which ultimately this isn't a job to me. This is a vocation. Chase the vocation. Make that decision to do that. You got to go all in, okay? And and you can't listen. You got to put tunnel vision. And there's going to be friends that are making money and 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 have houses and do all this kind of stuff. And you're not going to be able to do any of that because, you know, you're going to, you're going to go and take an assistant coach's role if you're afforded that opportunity. And it's going to take you a while to, to build yourself up, climb up that ladder to, to a place where you can essentially support your family um, from a financial standpoint. And, and that is always something that we have to take into consideration, right? It's, it's great to have goals and dreams, but you still have to have sustenance. You still have to survive, and, and you gotta, you have to make money to survive in this world. Um, so that's obviously sometimes I think that's the biggest roadblock. I think it certainly was for me. It's it's a roadblock for anybody. Obviously, you've changed careers. It's 
it's kind of like, can I do this? Should I do, you know, am I in a place to do this? And so I, I, you know, he left me a little bit of money. Um, not much. Uh, he said that I couldn't spend it on Richmond road at, at, at the bars, like Jim Bob race in those places. So, um, I ended up going across. I had a, a former teammate that was uh, teaching English in Taiwan, Taipei, Taiwan. He got me a job there. I went there and I spent a year abroad with the, with the, you know, $15,000 that my dad left me. And, and I worked and I taught English in, in both, uh, Taiwan and, and South Korea. And, and then, uh, while I was there, it was kind of my time to sort myself out. And basically I had my last coaching job was, was with the bee feeders. So what I did was I, I uh, sent, um, I sent emails to every single other than the, uh, French first speaking universities. I sent so 24 emails to every single head coach at that time and said that I would work for nothing. All I was looking for was an opportunity. And here was my resume, so on and so forth. And uh, literally just looking for an opportunity. And I'm currently here. And uh, you know, the one the one guy that responded to me was uh, John Bloomfield. And he was the head coach at St. FX at the time. And he reached out to me. There was obviously, there's a connection. And that's why I always tell our guys, it's always about rubbing elbows and relationship building. and. You never know who you're going to be talking with that, that down the road. And I had coached with the beef eaters and his brother was, was at the beef eaters. And so his brother gave a glowing report about me and, and uh, he reached out and said, you know, why don't you come out to, to our spring camp here in Antigonish? Um, when he, you know, so I literally, I was like, okay. And I'm in, I'm in uh, Jeju-do, South Korea and I got to leave. I was planning on leaving anyways. I had my, but I was like, my plane's booked here. He's like, perfect. That's, you know, two days in advance of our, of our spring camp. So I would had been gone from Canada for over a year. And then I just landed. Uh, my older brother picked me up at the Toronto airport. We came back to London. I did a, you know, a couple loads of laundry, had a meal with my mom and I was back on a plane out to Nova Scotia and never looked back really that's that's the that's how it started and and really i'd be remiss not to give all that uh credit for me taping that taking that leap of faith knowing that it was going to be a struggle because it certainly was a struggle and we're not going to get into every detail but um financially everything but, but my dad said if i were you you want happiness in life you choose a vocation and you might not make money like some of your friends are making and people might think you're silly for doing that um but i promise you this if you continue to work your tail off and you you stay true to yourself and you chase this goal okay and you don't let all the you know side shots deter you from what the goal at the end of the at the end is um so he's like set a goal he said so I, when I was over in Asia, I set a goal that I wanted to be a head coach in youth sports by the time I was 40 years old. I took the job here and I was 39. So uh, it's just one of those things that, um, and I st yeah, stayed the course and, and, uh, and I had to be all in. And, and part of me being all in is you had to have support people around you. And that's important too, family and friends, support mechanisms. Uh, my brother, Freak, he co-signed a credit card with me and, you know, He's still mad at me for that one, but I had to, you know, it's all good and good and gone now. But, yeah. uh, you know, like I had to have uh, one of my best friends, Paul Squinia, he helped me mm -hmm. out financially to pay for rent sometimes when I was only making $5,000 a year working 
12 hours a day as a, a full-time coach at St. Effects. So it's just it's one of those things uh, you, you got to chase your dreams. And, and, and if your dream includes a, a job that is, is not a job, it's a vocation. And, and that's the greatest thing is, is I don't call this work what I do. It's, it's, it's a passion. It's a vocation. I get to be around young men and, and give them my opinion and influence and, and see them all go on to be successful, uh, successful businessmen, successful in life, whatever, whatever they want their individual success to be. I'm just trying to provide some tools in their toolbox for them to be successful. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my story. And, and it, it, you know, it goes back to my father just, saying go for it i uh first bert i, I really appreciate you opening up and, and sharing that um i i've heard that story before but you know you describing it really takes me back there and it really shows what a what a amazing impact you know your, your dad what how close you were but just how it, these simple words just really framed you know the, this amazing journey for you in your life um, the one thing that came up was, you know, you, you talked about sacrifice a lot and, and really what I heard from you is you had to sacrifice some safety and comfort, but it's, it's your desire for something, like you said, a, a, a bigger calling, a, a vocation, as you called it, it was just bigger, right? Like that desire was just so much stronger than sacrificing that safety and comfort. It was, it was, and, and, uh, and there were times I'll tell you where, where I wavered. There, there certainly were times where I wavered, but, but the people around me, um, and the coaches that I worked, worked under, um, John Bloomfield, Greg Marshall at Western, he's a huge, he's a great friend and a great mentor and obviously super successful as a coach and a man. And, um, and then, you know, other people, friends, coaches, colleagues, you know, um, everybody needs somebody, um, to pump their tires, um, and never forget that. And, 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 you know, especially with today's, you know, mental health issues, it, it, it certainly, you know, we wave, I wavered a few times. I said, you know, F this, I'm just going to go find it, find another job. And mm -hmm. maybe it's not going to happen, you know, and you see some people leapfrog you and, um, there's certain things happen in, in, in the football world. Um, just as in our regular world. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you go, shoot, it's not fair. Well, life isn't fair, but, but one thing that I've is, is that if you have a resolve to, to get to somewhere, um, you can get there, but you have to set a goal. Like goal setting has been a huge piece for me. And, and the thing that really, you know, like setting that goal when I got into coaching, when I was first hired at X, um, was to be a coach, a head coach by the time I was 40. And it, it, you know, the stars aligned in, in the fall of uh, 2014 when the posting for my alma mater's head coaching job came up and, and, you know, I turned 40, I got hired on December 18th or sorry, December 19th and December 18th, my, and my wife's birthday. <laughs> and, uh, and I started December 18th to, and then uh, January 27th, I turned 40. So literally a month in, in, in yeah. advance, but certainly achieved the goal. And, and uh, like I said, it, 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 
it's been a great ride and, and I've learned so much from so many people. And I think that's the biggest thing is that you got to soak up all the, the information and energy that you get from other people and, and um, form your own desire, your own opinion, but, but take in your interactions with people. That's something that I believe I'm good at. Um, I pay attention to things like that. Um, and, and it's helped me to achieve my goal and now put myself in a position where shoot, you know, 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like I never would have thought I, I would be living where I'm living and have a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids and, and be very comfortable in life. Um, when I was, you know, paycheck beyond paycheck to paycheck, um, at some points had to, you know, live in, um, when I was out East, I had to live in the head coach's basement. You know, he had to welcome me into his house because I couldn't afford to rent. Um, mm. Those are the things that you got to do. Sometimes the sacrifices you got to make and, and, uh, and, and, and not everybody's built for that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. That's why I respect individuality. I think everybody has their own path and their own journey. Um, and I think you res- should respect everybody's own path and their own Jersey journey. But um, if you're at a point in your life, if people are listening out there where, wherever it may be, and you want to change, um, don't, don't make a change irrationally, make it rational, make a plan, set your goals, make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that, that believe in you. Um, but more importantly, believe in yourself and, and know that you can change, you can change and you can go for whatever direction and whatever goal you want to do. Mm, that's such great advice and great insight. Um, so in 2019, so you won the OUA Coach of the Year in 2017. 2019, you lead Waterloo to its first playoff win in 20 years. Uh, just fun fact, your, that win in 99 was my first year at Western. And I still remember shoveling off the field. And I remember because Coach Haler had to shovel off the field at JW because it thought was to our advantage. And all of a sudden we sort of turned it into a track meet for you guys. And you guys, you guys took it to us that day. Yeah. Like a track meet for Mike, for Mike Bradley. For Mike Bradley. Yeah. We're well, not going to apologize for shutting down JW little stadium. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. 2019, uh, obviously the last time we got on the field, uh, uh, certainly was a, you know, a good year. Obviously our goals at Waterloo are to, to win the, win the Yates cup. You got to win the Yates cup before you get to the Vanier cup, but to ultimately win a national championship, be, be the first team to ever hoist the Vanier cup up. Um, we have to set goals like that. Um, it took time for us to get to that point. My first two years as, as head coach, I was 0-16. That certainly wasn't the start I wanted to get off to, uh, because, you know, with football, unfortunately for me in football, um, whether it be playing at high school at, at London Catholic Central and, and playing in five straight city championships there. And then at Waterloo, we played in four straight Yates Cups, won two of those. And then coaching wise, you know, I've been fortunate to be associated with a lot of great leaders and and, and peers and, and great players. And uh, we had some good times at St. FX and, and obviously good times at Western. And, and so to go uh, 0-16 at the start uh, in 15 and 16 was certainly humbling and, and certainly uh, tested uh, tested me uh, as an individual and, and, 
in the realm of positivity because I certainly that's that's one of the big things that we have and and I'm an acronym guy and and our team uh, you know I've instilled in our team and 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 I believe our team believes in it is the word hope and and the acronym of that is have only positive expectations and the, sometimes the word hope is thrown out there and and well we can't hope it we have to work hard well my whole thing is is if we work hard we put the preparation in um we do everything we possibly can to to be prepared whether for whether it's for a season whether it's for our our upcoming opponent on an individual week um if we know that we can all look in the mirror and know that we've put our max effort into preparing for for that upcoming opponent or whatever it may be that's when we can apply the word hope have only positive expectations negativity bullshit sorry to that um you know there's way too many negative things going on in the world today as we all know um so we choose i choose to to take a positive look at everything and and as part of that um it's a top-down effect with our program and and it's something that uh you know i've set as a standard for us is that we have to be positive there are always going to be bumps in the road and we have to learn from the negatives and life is full of peaks and valleys um but what gets you pushes you through and helps you persevere through those ups and downs um is is having a positive attitude and each day you know, I say it to our recruits, I say it to our players, I say it to each day. Um, everybody's got a story, JT, you know that everyone has a story and and, and good, bad and ugly. And um, we don't have to know everybody's in, in depth details, but, but you have a choice, no matter what's going on in your life, you have a choice. When you leave your house, you can choose to be positive, or you can choose to be negative. And mm-hmm. If I can do anything, it's it's to try and really push that on our players that always choose to be positive, always see the good in a scenario, in a situation. Because if you if you have to recognize the bad and the negative, certainly, but but yeah, that the positivity outweighs everything to me. And certainly, I believe that's why I'm sitting in the chair I'm sitting in today, um, mm-hmm. because having that attitude helped me get through some of those 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 times where you know mentally I wavered and asked myself if I was doing the right thing. So. No, I, and I, I love that, that idea of polarity, right. Is that, yeah, there's the negative, but then you chose to direct your attention onto the positive, right. To find the the greatness. Right. So I'm curious, one of the things I've enjoyed watching from afar is seeing your journey, right? Like, like you said, you took the head coaching job at Waterloo first two years, 0 and 16. But I have noticed that there's this confidence, there's this, this swagger, there's this, and I was chatting about this with Benny when he was on Benny K, is that you've, you've reestablished a culture. What has been your greatest lesson in, in reestablishing the culture at Waterloo? Um, because, you know, I think back to when I was in university, when you're in university, it was like, okay, Waterloo, they're going to be fast. They're going to be physical. They're going to punch you in the mouth. It's just, it's going to, it's going to be a war. So, so what have you learned in that process? Like what's been the biggest takeaway? Well, certainly, you know, we wanted to get back to that, that back in black and intimidate and dominate mentality and play fast, play aggressive. Uh, certainly, um, culture, I think, uh, for us, I, I think, uh, obviously, I think, you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. And, and I give all the credit to, you know, 
the coaching staff and, and the players that we've been able to secure their commitment and have chosen Waterloo, obviously a great academic institution. Um, and, and that was always a win. We need to get it into a, a place where it's a win-win, where, where the, the athletics and the football experience matches the academic experience. Um, and, and part and parcel of our, our vision for success or our formula for success was uh, we need to recruit winners, okay? So we, we went out and we've recruited groups of players and, and obviously some being blue chip. Take Ian Meyer in the Niagara Falls, for example, four years ago, recruiting Trey Ford and Tyrell Ford. Special, special, special players. Really shouldn't be playing in the OUA or U Sports, should be playing Division One in a Power Five conference. And uh, I'm pretty sure most coaches would agree with me. Um, but landing their commitment, but also for other of their teammates from that championship team. And then guys from Catholic Central and Huron Heights and Lucas and all these other schools that um, have perennially year in and year out um, are competitive, not only within their own region, but competitive in an offsable standard uh, because they're winners. They know what it takes, the work and effort that needs to be put in in the offseason. Um, whether they're the blue chip kid or the kid that that works his tail off, has a high ceiling, could turn out to be some something special in his third year. Um, we need guys. We, we, we wanted to kind of overtake our locker room with guys like that because um, they have a winning attitude and they don't accept mediocrity. OK, and they want to look to their right, look to their left, look across from them, and know that they're they have like minded guys in that locker room. So that's how we started building that culture. Um, I think part of it is is the word respect and and what we've already touched on, so I won't delve into it too much, but just the fact that that you know we respect our players and their individuality and, and um, their investment in in the football program, their investment in trust in 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 me and our coaches um, to guide them in the right direction towards success. Um, we have to reciprocate that too, and and so um, you know, and then I think just having a balance. Um, part of our culture, you know, um, I'm a guy that we started a parents group as soon as I got there. And, and some coaches in university would say, you're crazy for doing that. Well, um, in today's day and world, it's a reality. Parents want to be involved and, and parents can, can help with a tailgating culture and can help with raising money. So why are we going to kick a gift horse in the mouth? Let's embrace them and let's have them be a part of it. Set boundaries, obviously. You know, the boundary that we've set with our parents group is that, you know, you're not going to ever ask us why your kid's not playing, because ultimately we're going to address, we don't play favorites, we're going to address the group of, of players that we believe are help, help going to help us win a football game on, on whether it's Saturday, Friday night, Thursday night, whenever the game is, we're not playing favorites, we're playing the players that have performed the best and and it's it's you know results oriented world out there so we want to set people up for success beyond the sport and that's the reality of life so we set that parameter but it's kind of based off of of four four principles really too in in what we do and we try to find that balance and obviously the pandemic at points in times has proved to be a challenge but you know i wouldn't have known what zoom and and google teams and Microsoft Teams and everything would have been a year and a half ago. I didn't know any of this, but it certainly helped a bit too, because now we can do a lot of different things virtually that we didn't know existed before. But four principles would be, you know, you're, you know, based off like four Fs really, future, um, family, football, and friends. And we believe that, that you know, we, we have a wellness coordinator with our team that 
provide each of our players uh, mandatorily freshmen, but also and most of our players in their second and second to fifth year still get this this book that's based off time management, but it has those four principles in it. And future means school, really. That you know, to to take it, you know, it would really be school, but future is you gotta you gotta come here. You're a student first and athlete second. Finish your degree. Okay, we're going to support you in, in, in getting that valuable degree, but that's your future. Okay, family, what's the most important thing in life? Family, family. Okay, why, why did you, you know, select Waterloo? Certainly, you know, some percentage of those kids selected Waterloo first and foremost because maybe computer science or engineering, some of our super competitive world-renowned programs, but they chose it because of football. So that's, and then friends obviously peer group friends so those four f's we build a culture around that and trying to find balance in each okay because i we can't be all all into you know during the season sure you know football kind of outweighs some things but at the same time we have to give them time off we have to figure out times and pockets of time where they can spend time with their family where they can spend time with their friends because if it's all one thing they're, they're going to get burnt out and and potentially lose their fire and their passion for for the sport and for what they're doing. So that's kind of, you know, the culture. The culture is, you know, obviously recruit the best players, but try to recruit players from winning programs um, because they bring in that mentality and then uh, maintain that structure. And, and ultimately at the end of the day, uh, implement the word hope, having positive, only positive expectations, but at the end of the day, having fun. And you know, you've worked, you gotta have fun. You gotta have fun. Um, if football is just a sport, it's not war. Okay. People aren't dying on the football field. Um, there's not landmines and all that stuff. You know, um, we're flying around the field. The offense is trying to score touchdowns and the defense is trying to stop us from scoring touchdowns. Okay. So, you know, I, I have a huge issue. My brother's a Colonel in the military and, and, uh, you know, you know, and it's easy to say we're going to war today. And, and, you know, some people call special teams, special forces. Uh, not, not, not on my football team there. And it's our football team. I hate saying my, and I maybe we've said that too many times today on this chat, but I just, not in my world. I, I yeah. think uh, there's a difference between uh, yeah. war and military and, and the sport of football. And I think sometimes there's far too many comparisons. So yeah. we're going to have fun. You got to have fun, enjoy what you're doing. And, and that's something that we've built into our culture too. And, and, and winning um, knowing that, you know, some of the guys that have, you know, we're going to have a strong football club this, this fall. Some of the guys that deferred their CFL draft and, and have some of the guys that could be graduated and onto the, the workforce and in their careers, they've decided to, to one more term because they don't want to go out on COVID and let's finish what we started. And, and, mm -hmm. uh, um, that's exciting. That's exciting. But when, you know, some of those guys have all been a part of those 0 and 16, 0 and 8, you know, not winning a lot at the start, but they believed in the vision for success. They trusted us. They came to Waterloo um, and we in turn reciprocate that. And, and so it's, it's, it's exciting. So we, we established uh, two years ago. Well, now it's three, but uh, basically what we do is after every time we win a football game, no matter what, Okay, obviously winning is an expectation because we prepare to win. Um, but I think it's difficult to win in the OUA right now. The parity in the OUA is is outstanding. Um, it's kind of not the, the haves and have nots anymore. It's it's a 
it's a big lump of, of a lot of, of a lot of quality football programs now. And then that's a testament to all my peers and, and what's happening across the board in the OUA, but we celebrate every, so we, we, uh, we call it the dub club. And uh, when we win a football game, uh, you know, after the, the, the players all come into the locker room and we shut the lights off and we got strobe lights and, and, uh, and we play a song and we dance around and celebrate together. And that's as close to, to me going out to a club with the players as I'm ever going to get anymore. So uh, we call it the dub club, whether it's at 4 okay. PM in the afternoon or not. And then players go and spend time with their families and, and enjoy themselves. But uh, we celebrate every victory because mm. we believe we put a lot of time and effort into preparation for those victories and why not celebrate them? You know, Bert, hearing you share that, I really identified why you've been successful is that you have such clear, like you're clear on your goals and on your vision, but you have, but they're built on a foundation of, of, of very clear values. Right. And I was just like, yeah. And, and the best part is knowing you for as long as I've known you, those core values are who you are. So it's like, it's not like, they're just things that you truly believe in and embody. And that's why your players and, and, everyone buys in is because that's you. So, so I just really wanted to say like, kudos to you brother for, for having that self-awareness to build your success on those core values. Yeah. And I don't know if I, I, I recognize that now JT, but I, I don't know if I recognize that in my younger days, but uh, yeah, yeah I, I believe that you have to be a principle based person and, mm-hmm. and be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else and, and everybody's different. And, and, at the end of the day, though, um, I just, I just, I just love the players. Uh, they give me energy too, and 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 I'm so happy and proud of them when I see them have success. And 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 same goes for the coaches. You know, the biggest thing is is to celebrate everybody else's successes. And and um, because I know that I've been fortunate to surround myself with great people, and I've certainly had a lot of people celebrate my own successes. But the job's not done yet, and and certainly not as successful as we want to be as a football program. And and uh, we can't wait to get back on the field. And and I just hope everyone out there is is everyone's allowed to do their own thing with vaccinations and stuff. But yeah. just, let's just do our part and get back to living life uh, normal again because yeah. we need sport uh, at all levels, not just the university level. We need, kids need sport. We need healthy bodies, healthy minds, and and I believe sport is a part of that. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. So the last thing I'd love to ask you, Bert, is, you know, this last year, depending on when people are watching this, it's been an interesting time. And there are people that are, you know, challenged that are struggling. What is one piece of advice you would have for people? Maybe they're having, you know, challenges with their wellness. Maybe relation, they've had a relationship breakdown. Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe financially, it's just, you know, they've, you know, they're just really, really struggling. What is something that they could do today just to get the ball rolling, to take one positive action, just to get the momentum back going so they can start creating some wins for themselves? Um focus on things you can control and quite frankly i owe this to to one of our assistant coaches brendan conway uh you know the pandemics put everybody through peaks and valleys and i know this third wave and this lockdown this final lockdown it better be a final lockdown is this is uh 
it's really beat the crap out of people. And, and, and I'm fortunate enough that, that the University of Waterloo has maintained my, my job and my privilege as the head coach. And um, so, you know, also at the same time, I've uh, been stuck in my basement for 15 months and this is my office and my backdrop. So on. but you know, that's no one's going to cry in their beer for me in that regard. But, you know, probably 12 months ago, uh, you know, speaking with my full-time and one of my full-time assistant coaches, and he talked about, we can't control it. We're, we're, inve- we're, we're investing too much time into things that are out of our control. And I think it was just a great chat. We just had about it. And it's something that kind of, as we've gone through the pandemic, I've, I've tried to talk to our players about, and we can't control that there's no gyms open for liftings. But what we can control is that, you know, we can go find an old hockey bag and throw as many books in it as possible and, and throw it on our back and go for a hike or do squats, like control, like just take control of the variables that you can control and try to not worry about those things that you can't control. Because I can't control right now that we're not allowed to practice at a team as a team. I want to, you're damn right. I want to, but I can't control that. So I can't worry about that right now. I can only worry about the things that I can control. And, and that's, that's, I don't know if it's uh, motivating or not, but, but for the people out there that, that are struggling and, and certainly we've all struggled through this, but to varying degrees. And I know there are a lot of people that have struggled far greater than I have. And for those people, if you're listening, it's just, just today, you can control what you do. And, and it starts with, and I know it's not easy, but it starts with just controlling that first choice. When you wake up, you have your shower, you control whether you you can switch it on in your head that today I'm going to be positive. And if you switch that on, you're on the right path. And then secondly, now what are you going to do? I can control. I can go for a walk. Okay. I can get on the internet and, and search for jobs and try to find some niche for me. Um, try to structure it where everything's climbing a mountain and, and it's in a controlled way because it's, it's variables that you can control. And I know there's a ton that we can't. If we dwell on the ones we can't, it just brings us down and it puts us into a little bit of a rabbit hole. And, and uh, that, that, that would be my suggestion. Focus on the controllable variables in your life and try to do your best and maximize your effort um, at those and with a positive attitude. I love that. So, so simple. And, and, and what a great reminder, Bert. Um, first and foremost, Bert, I personally wanted to acknowledge you for being the man you are, for being the husband you are, the, the father, the, the coach, the mentor, and, and more importantly, the, the amazing human being you are. Um, I can say from my personal experience, being around you for you bringing me on your staff in 2013 with the London Junior Mustangs was such an amazing growth experience for me. It it really did change the trajectory of of my life. So I I really wanted to acknowledge you and thank you from my heart for, for showing me a different way. So thank you for that. And most importantly, how can people follow you? How can they stay connected? Again, we have lots of football <laughs> minds in here that the, what, what's the easiest way to get connected with you? 
Well, if, if anybody ever wants to reach out on me, I mean, if you just Google my name, it's got yeah. my email address and my office line, which obviously I'm not at, but I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all those different places. Um, you know, we we do a really good job with our, our social media platforms uh, with, with Waterloo Warrior Football. Um, yeah, I mean, and then follow. The biggest thing is that I don't need support. Um our players need support. The student athletes who put all the time and effort in, and uh, I'm I am uh, so proud of our guys, uh, specifically at the University of Waterloo. But, but I'm sure this speaks to the same at, at all the other all our other competitors in football, um, throughout the conference and youth sports. But uh, you know, to to go through this pandemic as a student and a student athlete, and for them to stay the course and persevere through all this because i'll tell you right now i would i wouldn't want to be a student right now if i reflect back on my experiences um this last year what what they've had to gone through and, and not really live in a normal college university experience um that's difficult and just not being around their teammates and friends and and when they are being limited by numbers i mean obviously those are all the things we had to do to get out of this thing but uh i am uh, so proud of all these young men that i i'm fortunate to coach and and um, if any of them are watching, keep doing what you do. But, but we had a team meeting the other night anyways. I, I, I'm just so appreciative of the opportunity that I have to be in this position. And uh, I'm thankful and grateful for it. And, and uh, yeah, there's easy ways to follow. Obviously, we're, yeah. we're, we're everywhere. But uh, and uh, if, if you're watching and, and you have a son out there that's pretty good at football, don't don't <laughs> don't hit me up, you know, always looking for, for good new players. And, and certainly uh, we believe we got a great environment, a win-win environment at the university of Waterloo football program, and both academically and, and, and athletically. And uh, I really thank you for having me on. It, it was great to shoot the breeze and mm -hmm. I know I I'm long-winded, so I apologize to everyone out there that I talk too much, but uh, it is what it is. I wear my heart yeah. on my sleeve. So but thanks for having me on, JT. I really appreciate it. It was great to be on uh, in the huddle, and and uh, yeah. I'm gonna look forward to getting your book and, and reading through that as well. So, yeah, no, definitely, and I'll be sure to share all of uh, the handles for for you and Waterloo Warrior Football um, in the description, and and make sure so people can get connected with you because I'm sure there's lots of parents now going, "Hey, I want my son to go play for Coach Burt." <laughs> um, other than that, folks, have an amazing rest of your week. We'll see you in the huddle next week. Have a great rest of your day.